Welcome to Witch Talks, a series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, an intuitive tarot reader, astrologer, and eclectic witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favorite witches. Before we begin today's episode, I'd love to let you know about a little something I've been cooking up in my cauldron. In February 2022, I am releasing a course in the art of psychic divination through the Afterlight Institute. There will be a link to learn more in the description for this episode, and I'd be thrilled to share my knowledge with you. In this episode, I'm chatting with Trisha Carr, an expert in the field of all things metaphysical. Trisha is a spiritual teacher, intuitive medium and channel, animal telepath and the host of Charmed Life, the podcast. Her mission is to help people become more natural, magical and successful and move them in the direction of their bliss. I am so looking forward to sharing more of Trisha's work and wisdom with you today. So let's get into it. Trisha is joining us via Zoom all the way from LA. Hey, Trisha, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Hannah. I'm really excited to connect. I'm so excited to have you here and chat with you today. Now, I know you do so much more than this too. Can you start by telling us a little bit more about what you do for work in the witchy spiritual world? Yeah. Well, um, it's it's so, I mean, I'm, I'm a life path five. It's my numerology. And I'm a Pisces and I'm a reflector as my human design. So that just means like I can't identify to anything. <laughs> Or I identify to everything. But what keeps me really busy currently is really the teaching. Um, So I have my own platform that is, uh, it's called Mystic Arts Academy. And it's very uh, freeform, experimental. It's a place where it's like subscription-based, but people can drop into. And it's where I can just, like the last workshop that I did as we record this was channeling Lyrans, who, you know, the the uh, ET entities is, is the benevolent uh, seventh dimensional Lyrans. And so, you know, I just channeled a message from them and answered questions as the as the Lyrans or, you know, I can all kinds of things. And so that's really fun. That keeps me a, a little busy, but also, but mainly it's the Light Shine Spiritual Academy that is uh, with my business partner, my best friend, Crystalline Compton, and we run intensive programs and workshops all in the spiritual space. Uh, we're currently in at the end of a program called the Energy Intensive, which is all things energy, energy healing. We have a we have a flagship program called the Intuitive Intensive, which is an eight-week immersive program with coaching for people to open their intuitive psychic abilities. So yeah, on and on. And then besides that, well, I'm a hypnotherapist. Uh, I, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a medium, I'm a multi-dimensional, multi-dimensional medium, animal telepath. So that one-on-one stuff, uh, it's when I'm teaching a lot, it actually gets put on the back burner. And uh, but starting in the new year, I'm going to be opening opening my one on one services, my calendar, but it's for comp- like in-depth coaching programs, which will include all of the things that I do. So, yeah, that's 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 my jam. <laughs> Fantastic. It's all so fascinating. And I'm a really big fan of Crystal and Compton as well. Oh, and you both have a podcast together, which is just oh, it's beautiful. Chef's kiss. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, you you are an animal uh, telepath. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means to you? Sure. Uh, well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. It was the first ability in the, you know, psychic or intuitive ability that I became aware of. Uh, that it, Well, I mean, it was always online. I just, and I, you know, how you just assume everybody else has the same experience as you <laughs> until you really... I don't know, kind of move out of certain illusions and then you're like, and, and you know, have awakenings and everything. 
Uh, and I always just thought that other people just didn't like animals as much as me. I didn't know they couldn't understand them the same way that I did. So if, you know, Mike, and it's so funny, all these stories where I, when I didn't know that I was psychic or I didn't know that I was, you know, had this kind of spiritual sensing. And there are these these different stories where, I remember one that I was just recalling where my birds, who are past now, because this was like 17, 16 years ago, and I had brought my birds over to to visit at my now husband, then boyfriend's apartment, and my cockatiel, who is deeply bonded with me, desperately, we were desperately in love, and she was just chirping away, and, and just, and she was out on his little balcony, too, they were in the balcony, and uh, and I said to my boyfriend, my husband, I'm so sorry, She is she driving you crazy? Like, she's just whining, and he's like, whining? What do you mean? It's like birds, it sounds like the birds outside. And I was like, no, it's like she's going, mommy, come see me, mommy, come see me, come here, come here. And like, to me, that's what her communication was. And to him, it was birds making sounds. <laughs> so it, it's just, um, so what that, what it means to me is the, it's a, it's a tuning frequency, like a radio dial that you tune to. And um, it's one that has always been primary for me. And it's, it's been, probably I tuned into animals and nature possibly to also tune out to my traumatic household as a child. <laughs> but it was my comfort. It was my solace. My familiars were everything and are everything to me. And so in any way that you would tune a creative sensing or an intuitive sensing, that's the that's just a frequency that is primary and fundamental. And you can actually see it in charts like my gene keys and stuff like that. It's It's really interesting. Anyway, so yeah, I, I I communicate directly with the personality, if you will, of the incarnated animal for animals who are alive, like you and me talking. It's mm -hmm. just done, you know, telepathically. It's done tel with empathic sensing and um, mental messages and pictures. Some animals are very clairvoyant. They send pictures and movies. Some are, you know, more, uh, they communicate with emotions more. Uh, some are very what you know what they give me is will like translate to clear audience to where it's like they're this one dog that i was communicating with it was like my notes because i do a pre-session with the animal remotely you know my notes looked like i had just written a script like a dialogue me asked and it was very articulate and then when i get on the phone with his human um oh no it was her she, her human i was like you must talk to her all the time because she's so articulate and you know it came out of speech and she's like, oh, yes, well, I talk to her all the time. I bring her to work. I'm a magazine editor, and everybody talks to her. <laughs> so, you know, but it is, so that's one form. I do the direct communication with that personality to honor the whole incarnated personality. Um, I also, it's animal mediumships for animals who are past and in those other realms. And when I'm in a session, if the, you know, like if the incarnated personality doesn't have that information, uh, then I will switch to intuitive sensing, talking to their guides or something like that. Because, you know, you could ask a dog, what's your best diet? And he's like, bacon. <laughs> but that's not true. <laughs> so I'm going to switch and find out a better answer. <laughs> yeah. And so that's interesting that you said that. So our our animal companions and our animal friends, they have guides as well. Do they have their own spirit team as well? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, so with animals, uh, first of all, they would have your same guides, the ones who are your animal family members. The, I 
if you use the word pet, you're welcome to. I, I'm personally like steer clear of it because it sounds like diminutizing and, but you know, I don't have a problem with other people using it, but that's what I mean when I say animal family members, it's what how usually people say. Pet. I, I agree. Our cat yeah. is, is our fur baby. She was the original yeah. fur baby and we've brought our kids up to call her their fur sister. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do too. Yeah. Um, well, so what was the question? Oh yeah. They have the, they have their own guides. Yeah. So, you know, we, with our animal family members, we are, I, I really see it as our soul energies, possibly we come from the same oversoul. So that's why they feel, I mean, they really are an extension of our bodies, the way that young children are. And then when the children become more autonomous, I think you have a little more autonomy, but the animals who are your family members that that uh, intimacy is always like really deep and i think it has to do with the fact that i feel that it has to do with basically we're dispatched from the same oversoul so you would you would share guides but also the ones who are managing their lives would have more um concern with nature and you know ecosystem consciousness which is just mother gaia's unity consciousness and um but you know we have we have guides and you know we have the Davica guides as well because we're also nature. Um, so yeah, you know they have we have overlapping ones and then they have their own distinct ones as well. Sure, I love that. That's fascinating and news to me as well. I'm very aware of my own guides, my own team, and that of my family members. However, this was news to me. So thank you yeah. for teaching and sharing that with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are certain animals more difficult to connect with than others? Have you found that? Uh, as in like certain species or something mm. like that? Yeah, so oh. insects versus birds versus mammals, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Well, that's a thank you for clarifying. So I wouldn't say they're more difficult to communicate with. However, the perspectives might be more disparate. So an insect, you know, like a, a mammal. Mammals have a lot more in common than a, a mammal and an insect. Mm-hmm. So when I connect with insects or like amphibians or fish or something that's a little bit more, it, just so far from the physical perspective is concerned, more disparate, di- you know, more different, differentiated, then I will get really, I, it's not harder to connect with them. It's just that the messages, you know, they're not going to, they're, they're going to, they're good. They usually get really like deep, profound. Um, if you think about it, insects are more attuned to 2D, you know, the second density and even the first density, some of them. And so it's going to be more of the inner plane kind of message. And so the interpretation between our perspectives, it's different, but the connection is there. And sometimes it's just vibratory. Sometimes in, I'll say that with trees as well. Sometimes I will have experiences with trees that are fairly articulate and I wonder if that's maybe the tree's gnome that is also uh, kind of doing some translation, but sometimes it's just very profound and it's energetic and it's almost like, you know, if I were to utter it, it might be light language because it doesn't even, it can't even be contained to how small the language is for mm-hmm. humans. So, yeah, but I will say so far as some animals can be more or less, you know, easy to communicate with, yes, but that if we're talking about something like, let's just say mammals, because we're mammals and so we have more in common. Um, yeah, uh, sometimes it's the younger animals because they're just kind of like, you know, ball, I don't really want to talk to the lady. And it takes them a while to like wear themselves out. So personalities come into play too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a lot of work with animals myself. I have a, a long history of wildlife rescue. Uh-huh. And I've always found myself that I can also 
communicate with them, but it's mm-hmm. never been, I guess, to to this extent of say a conversation or that sort of thing. But then I I don't think I've really tried, not when I was doing that work anyway. Uh, but I have also noticed, depending on the age, that you it's a totally different vibe that the animal will give you in terms of this underlying communication it's not words spoken it's feelings it's gists and that sort of thing so it's it's very interesting to hear it how you feel it as well and and feeling that connection like oh I'm not crazy (laughs) absolutely well you know part of developing it it what's you know you're working with wildlife so you don't have as much of the confirmation of evidences because there isn't like a human that you can communicate with to say is that accurate and then when you get that that feedback loop then you can go oh okay so i feel that vibratory frequency you know that okay great so now i know what that subtlety feels like and so i can focus in on that a little more i liken it to you know tasting wine or even coffee uh, the first time as a kid you taste coffee without milk and sugar, you're like, ah, that's dirt, it's bitter, it's, ah, you know, you can't even like comprehend all of the things. And then you, but you acquire the taste, the more, but the coffee hasn't changed and you haven't really changed. It's more about your attention to the more subtle um, expressions. And and when you shine a light on one of those expressions, let's say, oh, this coffee, now I can taste cacao. I mean, I know what cacao is and I can taste cacao and I'm shining a light on the cacao and then as that light kind of is on cacao, then it kind of catches the thing that's next to it, which might be cinnamon. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of that's it's the same way in the these frequencies of communication. That's, that's a think. fantastic metaphor. It's similar when I'm teaching people about the tarot and how to use their psychic abilities but tuning in. That's very similar. The validation, especially of having someone say, yes, that's correct. And you go, oh, so when I do get that. And that's how it comes through. That's how it's going to come through and trusting that. And then it can almost become a bit of a pattern that you can follow and tune into a little bit more. So that's really great. When when working with animals that are the wildlife, what I was generally trying to convey to them, and it depended on where they were, if it was an animal that was hurt really badly, such as a kangaroo on the side of the road and we needed to, uh, you know, it's not possible to be rehabilitated. There was lots of just, hey, buddy, we're going to be with you and I'm here and don't be frightened and those sorts of comforting messages, uh, stay calm and using that intuitive sense of basically putting almost like a blanket over them in the in the imagination space. And it would really, really help that they're not trying to bolt on broken legs and run off and that sort of thing. So they understand, they can definitely pick up on that uh, is, is what I've found, but it's, it's great to get someone else that I've, I've never actually met someone else that does work with animals and talk with animals in that way. And obviously you've been doing it a lot longer. How long have you been doing this as, as a career, this sort of work? You know what, uh, I'm coming up on, uh, let's see, my seventh anniversary of my awakening. And I kind of started, I was kind of like, I hit the ground. <laughs> I think it, so it was actually December 20, oh my gosh, I forgot for a second, 27th, 2014, mm-hmm. that I had the awakening. I started practicing animal communication in a formal sense, probably a month later. And then, you know, probably three three to six months later where I started actually actually getting paid or something, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it was in development for a little while. And, uh, but I, I did start really, really quickly um, commun- you know, practicing and communicating. And it was actually completely, 
natural, like just like what's happening with you. But when you put in there someone who can give you empirical evidence, because we're human and that's a part of how we live, uh, that digital response, then it, it's easier to know that, that you're doing that. Now, I should say that working with wildlife, if you did that immersively and, you know, you would see the feedback too. It's just probably it's not going to come from humans. So it might, uh, you needs a little more trust, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Even just like the, the information that comes through, you might see it in, you might see it in some other um, response in nature. You know, they might be able to tell you something and then you'll see an evidence about it because of actually following that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there, there are magical ways that it would reveal itself to you, I think, even if you're working with wildlife. Yeah, definitely. In the Amazon, so I worked in Peru for a while and also in Bolivia. And sometimes it was just a sense of don't touch me, like yeah. knowing, okay, I'm not going to handle that animal today. That animal needs space today. Or, you know, sometimes there might be another animal. There was a particular sloth that just honestly just wanted to be cuddled all the time. And all they wanted to do was get this sloth back to being independent. But all I felt was it's just still, still a baby. It was only eight months old. So it was still a baby. And so a few extra cuddles here and there, and he's independent now. He's been released back to the wild. He's doing fantastically. But at that time, I just got that sense of just don't put me down. Please cuddle me. <laughs> Please yeah. be here for me because yeah. Yeah, he didn't have his mum, the poor thing. Yeah. So, yeah, the that sort of feedback was, was interesting because, you know, an animal will let you know if you don't listen to that, don't touch me, and you touch them, you're going to get hurt, especially wild oh, animals. That's their communication. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. You think about it like they uh, – it, it can be – it's it's interesting maybe I'm intuiting your question, like, what is their perspective? <laughs> and some animals are awake, they can, they're aware of the fact that you're not picking up on it. Mm-hmm. However, uh, some of my, some of the, my animal clients, they will, they will actually express frustration because their human can hear them, but they kind of negate it. Like they don't believe that they can hear them or whatever you want to call it, you know, mentally hear them or emotionally hear them. And so they'll just kind of be like, can you please tell my person that, you know, you hear me and I, I get frustrated when you ignore it or you, you know, it, it, it can be a little bit. So that happens every now and again. And and I've had that with people who are practicing like intuitives and their animal will be like, dude, why does she ignore me? <laughs> she totally hears me. They're, very, they're aware of it. And, you know, they have these they have awarenesses that are different than ours. I, I was actually um, illegally blind for a lot of my life and it wow. was progressive. And then I got eye surgeries. I had to get lens replacement and I got my eye surgeries. And it was really interesting when I came home. Well, first of all, getting to actually kind of meet my family because mm. I couldn't see them before. <laughs> it was weird. But I was looking at the first time I was looking at one of my cats and I actually had the one eye fixed the other I hadn't gotten the surgery yet and she you could see her I could hear her but you could see her like look at me and she goes oh you can see me like she was aware of how much more information my eyeballs were taking in which was wow (laughs) yeah that is fantastic I I have found and I I don't know if I heard it maybe on one of your podcasts a while ago I've been listening for quite a few years Oh, thank you. Uh, but the uh, dealing with, especially with my cat, you might have said it uh, to deal with pictures. So send them an image if you want to communicate them. You send a, an image to them. And I used this. We we move quite frequently. And the last time we had to move into state, I sent an image of you know us putting the boxes together, her going on the airplane, but then us giving her a big cuddle at the other side. And I'm not kidding. The second I sent that image, she bolted she ran hid in a cupboard and I thought 
oh no, she knows, she knows, she understands what's coming and oh no, yeah, <laughs> is that the right thing to do? But it absolutely was so clear for her that, you know, and she doesn't like moving. She hates it as soon as she figures out what's happening when the boxes get delivered. Uh, but, you know, we try really hard to know we'll be there at the other end. We're never going to leave you. We're going to always be there to welcome you home. And that's the thing. Oh, and, and I had a similar uh, with my, my Barnabas. I had an, I had a sitter, a pet sitter that I had been using and we had to like kind of go out of town unexpectedly. I didn't know that I didn't have time to get a new pet sitter. Barnabas didn't like her. And it's not because she was bad. She, she just is a little high energy, a little high anxiety for Barnabas. And so he was, and he's so sweet and he's like in charge of everybody. So it was like, I can't have this other anxious person come in and be in charge of me being in charge of everybody. <laughs> you know, just like he didn't like her energy and she was great and everything, but I didn't have time to get a new sitter so i he was sit standing up on the counter that's like eye height and i was like hey we're gonna go away for this long you know and in my mind and my whole energy and and i said i like gave the energy it's not just her name in my mind it's also her energy and a picture of her and she's gonna come sit with you and it was we weren't even leaving until tomorrow and he looked at me like startled and he ran and hid and i was like oh buddy but it's still good to tell them you know what i mean because then they know they're not surprised mm -hmm. and not being surprised is more comforting to them. Now they may still have an opinion, <laughs> yeah. but you know, they're not surprised. Now, on the other hand, my Franzi, one of the, one of my cats, he has extremely high, he's developed extremely high anxiety about going to the vet because he doesn't want to be left. When he was first going, he was like, sweet. There's all these people here telling me I'm handsome. That's wonderful. But then when he had to get like dental surgery, he just got angry about the whole process. I actually don't tell him until after I've given him the sedative that he has to take because I don't want his anxiety to start before I can have an intervention because mm. he has to get a sedative. And he, otherwise, he's so strong and willful. He will just he actually resisted anesthesia. He, he got two shots of anesthesia and he wouldn't go under because he was so highly anxious. So anyway, I do tell him, but not until I can interrupt his nervous system first. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, it's it's that's the thing. But sending him a picture, sending them. Um, scents too, like if you're going to move, mm -hmm. if you say your scent is going to be there and you like call to your mind their bed or their blankie or something and put it in the house and imagine that the rest of the house smells different, but then mom's stuff is going to be there, dad's stuff is going to be, your bed is going to be there and we're going to all make it a space and mm -hmm. that kind of thing can start to soothe them as well in advance. Yeah, fantastic advice. I interrupt your listening pleasure to ask you if you're enjoying this podcast. I ask because this series is a labor of love. And if you like what you're hearing, consider signing up as a Patreon supporter to see its continued success. Not only will you receive exclusive access to my private Facebook group, but also monthly live readings and moon ritual worksheets. Head over to patreon.com forward slash suburban witchery to sign up now. And now back to the show. Now, I do have some listener questions as well. And to anyone listening that wants to submit a listener question for future guests, uh, head over to my Patreon page, sign up so that you can come into our Facebook group. This is where I let everyone know in advance the guests I have lined up and you can put forward a question. Now, the first question we have is from Warwick and he wanted to know if you've ever tried telepathy with an extinct species or do you require a, a conduit item or something in the That's here and so now? What a beautiful question. Well, I do communicate with Sasquatch, who are not exactly extinct. Um, they do exist, and they, but however, you know, according to science, they're they don't they're they're 
not even real. <laughs> um, but they are somewhat extinct in the sense that they are they're you know they move into in the inner planes and they're they're transdimensional. So that's what I yes. Oh wait, I have communicated with dinosaurs before too. I I I'm just recalling that right now. And then and then also I do communicate with the David realm. So like dragons and unicorns, they used to exist here mm -hmm. and on this plane, uh, but they don't anymore. And then also when I've been working in um, some people's past lives, I will see them maybe in Atlantis or Lemuria, and they will have companions, uh, especially cetaceans, different kinds of cetaceans that existed when we had during those golden ages. They can't. They were they were really different. They were. They were in the cetacean family, but they they were just much more dynamic. You know, maybe it's like something that looks a little bit like a porpoise, but it actually kind of has wings as well. And it has bioluminescence and it's red and green and yellow and it can move through the air. So I've communicated with those kinds of animals. I mean, so that's deeply extinct. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I've, I don't think I've ever even heard of that word before. Oh, cetacean? It just yeah. it's a, it's the category of whales and dolphins. It's just the broad category of whales gotcha. and dolphins. Gotcha. Oh, flying dolphins with wings. Fantastic. I love it. With like glowing red and blue and green. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I had an experience once just in response to Warwick's question as well, which I hope to never repeat again. And this was just when I was, I, I guess, diving into my mediumship side a little bit, which I'm still developing. And we went to a natural history museum with, I went, I took my daughter and I just wanted to do an experiment. So I thought I'll just put my hand here. And it was, I guess it's not an extinct species. Um, it was a, a very old uh, longhorn uh, bull, I guess, uh, the ones that you have in Texas. We don't have them here in Australia. But he was old and stuffed and in this museum and I popped my hand on his head. I think there was a sign that said, don't touch. And I was like, I'll never know. <laughs> popped my hand on his forehead and just tuned in. And I had an overwhelming like dizziness, urge to, to throw up. I was, it was not a good experience. And I just thought like this, the spirit of whatever animal that was in here hates this absolutely mm. hates this and it was very quicker okay walls back up and we are going to leave this museum now and I have never tried that again but I've been so curious whenever I've gone to the the museum where they have the dinosaur bones and fossils and things like that mm -hmm. to to see what would happen but then I remember that experience and oh do I want that <laughs> so I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. sure if I'm ready to go there but that could be really fascinating did you with dinosaurs was that purely in the intuitive sense or did you need to touch something like a, a bone or a fossil to to tune in it was it was intuitive because it was more like a, a guide it was like a spirit guide that came through and uh, but I could yes obviously psychometry would would be very useful to connect with a specific uh, you know entity that was attached to that material um, but that and I, I can't recall the details of it it just kind of bubbled up right now I actually don't remember if it was my own guide or if it was like the guide of a client mm -hmm. um, I think maybe it was both because I think I continued to communicate with like I was checking for my own dinosaur friends or something to see who was there. So, yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. And I have actually just speaking about like animals in, you know, un unpleasant situations. There was this one time I was uh, preparing some food and it was it was chicken and I don't know, I came across, it was chicken and it had, and I don't remember why, but I had this overwhelming sense of like 
sadness. I was like, I'm so sorry this has happened to you. Uh, and I don't know if the, the chicken was, I don't know. There was something that, something that keyed that. And the chicken said to me, please do not, please, what, how did he say it? He said something, or she, um, please do not remember me in my worst moment. And so, because I was thinking about like the food industry and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, yes, that, that happened to me. And the sacrifice in a way I made to bring this to awareness, but please, I'm much more than that. Mm. And I don't know, I didn't eat it. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> I gave it, it to my cats outside. <laughs> there is there is a really good episode. If anyone's ever watched the, the TV show Medium, fantastic. I've binged every single episode of that. There is one particular episode where she is communicating with uh, bacon and ham. And every time she goes to eat pork in any way, shape or form, she can hear it crying or screaming or talking to her saying, don't eat me. Oh no! <laughs> and it prompted her to go and rescue this pig, which ended up having evidence to a murder case. So it was a really fascinating twist on, on that. But uh, that reminds me of that episode. It was a very good one. Um, now, the next question we have is from Annalise. And she has said, I've always thought that bugs and animals understood me. Is it a two-way exchange for you, which you've already said it is, but how do you learn or improve upon natural abilities to listen to what animals are broadcasting? Yeah. So I think the best, the best way is, is to actually begin practicing. And so with your own, I actually recommend that you practice with animals who are someone else, some other human's family. And the reason for that is because we can communicate with our own animals, but it's it's so we are so connected to them. It's not as easy for. Well, I mean, it's like I'm going to get an evidence. I already know that about him. You know what I mean? It's kind of harder to even just find evidences. But in, a, in it's it's also because our own animals who are in our family, their their energy feels like our energy. You know, the, we're, they're one with us. So it's not as easy to it's not as obvious their energy inside our energy it takes more focus and it takes like a deeper kind of focus. So you, you practice, this is how I just describe it. And the metaphor is like, if, if a stranger just even kind of gets in your energy space, a lot of people can feel that if a stranger touches you on the arm, you're like, Ooh, yeah, it was a stranger touching me. But right now, if I say, what does your pinky toe feel like? You have to go like, Oh, hold on. Wait, hold on. Go wiggle it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hold on. You have to really think about it because it's your, uh, we're touching yourself. Like you can't tickle yourself very easily. You have to kind of focus in order to create a tickle on yourself. And so with, um, if you practice with someone else's animals, then you will, you know, be able to get that feedback and then you'll, then you'll identify, oh, this is what that frequency feels like to me. And then you can then take that and put it onto like your own animals. And, you know, you just maybe have to focus a little more deeply. And as a method for that, well, I assume, what was the name of the listener? listener? Annalise. Annalise. Annalise, I, I assume that you're a meditator or, you know, something along those lines. So you meditate, just raise your vibration really high. I like to do a session with the animal that's outside of the human. I think a lot of animal communicators do it that way. The reason being, I'll... I'll be a little more secure that I'm getting a direct connection to the animal as opposed to kind of going through the energy of the person or bringing in their information. So I kind of set that up first. And um, you don't have to be present with the animal. We're connecting energetically. I like the hook-ins of a photo that has their eyes so I can clearly see their eyes, one that's relatively current, um, you know, not one of them is a kitten if they're a 10-year-old cat. And 
then their age, their name. The name is a is a calling card between the the love of the human and the animal because they only have a name because they have a relationship with a human, but they love names, and you know just yeah like their their age their you know if you don't have a picture which is not ideal then d a description of them but I really like the picture and then maybe I just interview them and then I write it out but I continue to stay in the state and some people have a visualization where they're like you know they look at the picture they have the information they meditate and then they'll see the if you're very clairvoyant you'll see the animal walking toward you on a path and then you're going to meet and I ask for permission first with the animal you know, I, I know you're human, and I'll conjure a picture of the human. Um, may we connect? You know, she or he wants to find out some things about you. And uh, for me, like 80% of the time at least, the animal's like, yeah, 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 I already know she told me. <laughs> she told me we were going to talk. And, um, yeah, then just interview them. Ask them what their – I always start with the general things. What's, what's something you would like to tell me about? What's your favorite activity? Do you want to show me your home? What's your favorite – toy or food or whatever and then have the uh, the humans questions come in after that after they've like warmed up to the fact oh we're actually going to have a good time and it feels good to talk to you and then go present it to the human and yeah and that's how you you'll you'll get I mean it'll feel like you're just working in a void as as with all other you know psychic practicing it, it often just feels like you're making it up and um, after you do that then yeah just, just switching it to something I know Annalise said insects switching it to something like insects of course you don't have the human feedback but you feel it you know you just feel it. and you will get a message from the insect that you're like I'm not that good a writer I don't I don't I didn't have that thought they told me that <laughs> so those are the ways that we kind of feel the evidences with an animal that doesn't have a human attached to them yeah that's a great little tip there just at the end the I didn't have that thought it's really helpful. I find with, with meditation, you get to know your thoughts really well. So you can recognize when it's an intuitive thought being dropped in that, hang on, I don't think that way, or that's not a normal thought that comes up for me. So that's a fantastic tip. And I use that myself as well. Yeah. My very first, well, the first time that I communicated with an animal, like knowing that that's what I was doing, I had just come off of a big healing session where we discovered that I was an animal communicator. And this was the time where I was like, I don't, I didn't think I had any, I didn't even know what I thought about psychics. Like it seriously was like that. And, uh, but I had brought to the session that there was, there's this uh, feral cat who was starting to home on my back porch and she was pregnant. And um, I didn't know, like, was I, and she, she just started showing up and she's like looking in the window. And my husband was like, I don't think we're supposed to, like, can we make a decision to terminate a pregnancy for a cat? And I had this um, animal rescuer who she was like, you have no idea how hard it is. She might die. All of those kittens will die. You really need to intervene. And, you know, she's really like, she's a, she's someone who works with cats, feral cats and, you know, trying to rescue cats. And so I, of course, really kind of wanted nature to take its course but it's not really nature because she's a domesticated animal but I anyway so in the, I came out of the session discovering I was an animal communicator in this healing session and my healer was like you know go talk to her her name was Helen and I was like that's weird whatever okay and that wasn't that flippant but I'm making fun of myself and I just went and Helen was on my back porch I had already named I already given her name and she was staring at me through the window and I tapped in and I heard her say I can't have these babies. And I was like, that was not my thought because I was hoping she'd be like, 
I want all these babies and I'm so happy here and everybody's going to be healthy and wonderful. But she said, I can't have these babies. So when I was able to trap her, um, took her in and the baby was, she was really close to going into labor. And the doctor said that baby was going to be lodged. She was going to die. There was no way that baby was going to come out and the other babies obviously too. So it really, she's like, she was wow. really close. It's good that you got her in because she wasn't going to survive. Wow. I just got full body shivers. as you Yeah. That. I know. I was like, so that was my first, but the, I knew I, I trusted it because it was so distinctly not my voice, not my thought, not what I wanted it to be. I wanted to not interfere because that's an easier cop out choice. Um, but she lived with me for eight years after that with her wow. spouse. <laughs> they were so in love. That's um, so cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that you got that validation from the vet as well, that this was necessary. This needed to happen. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. It, it's really amazing. And so I was kind of hooked after that. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> now we have one last listener question, which is from Sarah. And she asks, is there a way for us to know if a pet is also our familiar? So this is in the witch world, I guess, having a pet that's that's actually a familiar, someone there to help you with your magical workings. Is this something you've come across? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, I would say, um, well, you could obviously talk to them about it. And also just when they show up. So all of my four cats, I have four cats and five birds. And the four cats, they all want to work with me some. But two of them want to work with me a lot. And one of them works with me primarily. So they all want to, I mean, they, anytime I'm, I go to meditate, sometimes there's a bit of a discussion between them who gets to meditate with mom. <laughs> but yeah, so they have, my, my brood, my caboodle actually have different roles. And um, but the one who I would say is more like my familiar for magic, you know, and he happens to be all black. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> he's, he's a total Halloween kitty. But then I have um, my little girl kitty and she likes to do my regular meditations with me. Like it's Barnabas is the and he's got a very magical name, doesn't he? Barnabas is that black cat who's more of my familiar. He wants to do my magical work with me and he might do that physically proximate to me or not like mm -hmm. he one time when I was nervous on an airplane he showed up in my like his astral body like showed up really big in my face I didn't call him he just showed up there so he might work with me remotely he might work with me actually showing up and being with me in my whatever my ritual work is so um you'll you'll just kind of be able to I mean I think you could just see it it'll be a little bit empirical because they'll want to be a part of it or you'll think about them when you're doing your work and now the other Delilah uh, who likes to meditate with me I'll ask her to pray for certain things that I'm working on and she'll sometimes tell me no because the way that I ask her to pray for it is in a way that's not believing that it's possible and she's told me that before mm. she's like why would you why would you ask me to pray that way because you and I found each other in this universe it was that's just how things happen so it was almost like adjust yourself lady <laughs> And then I'll get on the prayer team. She's giving you the hard words. <laughs> I was like, that's again, I was like one of those things where I'm like, well, I didn't make that up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just um, and you can also make an invitation to an animal. I'm, I'm assuming that maybe this is an animal who's already in your home, but it could be it could be the squirrel who is always around in your yard. So tap into their energy and have a conversation with them if you want to make an invitation. And then always remember, you know, nature like energy seeks balance. So ask what 
uh, they could, what you could offer in return. I've been really kind of slapped on the wrist by especially elementals like devas if I'm a little too um, obsequious, you know what I mean, where I'm like, uh, oh, do you have anything to tell? Oh, this was actually a butterfly. I was like, do you have a message for me to this butterfly? And he's like, do you have a message for me? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Don't be so rude. And I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I yeah. love that. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I've had uh, one of my most, I guess, memorable experiences with my own kitty cat. Her name is River. Was when I, the very, very, very first time I ever tried my hand at divination, which was with tea leaf reading or tassiomancy. And I was very nervous. I come from a very religious background. So it was like, oh, am I going to open a portal here? I don't know. It's tea. It should be fine. I feel all right. And she came and sat right on my lap. I was doing it in my bed and my legs were in front of me. She sat sort of in between them looking up at me. I thought, okay, she's, she's here. She's calming me down. That's okay. And I sat there with this teacup and started tuning in and I'm not kidding. She was staring so intently at me and this cup, like she was just lending me all her energy to, to do this thing. And that was sort of the jumping off, jumping off point for me into getting into divination, psychic abilities, all of the things that I do now. And she was really that call, like, yep, I'm here with your mum. I got you. We can do this. And even now she does this whenever I do any form of tea leaf reading, meditation, candle magic, she's pouring at the door, like, let me in. I'm coming in to help. Yeah. Well, that's a great demonstration of it then. So she presented herself like, well, yeah, we're doing this together. Finally, mom. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably what she was thinking. (laughs) You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Have you ever noticed your uh, river or anybody else, any of your animals, or even your small children, if you've been meditating, you kind of like got really like, you know, all in the magical space and they look at your aura around your head? I always meditate. I always yeah. meditate with my eyes closed, so I have no well, idea. I mean, like, what afterwards, even like I'll come right out, and they'll be like, they'll be like, <laughs> looking all around my head. <laughs> I love that. I haven't noticed, but I will. I will actually take notice now. She usually sits on my lap, which is fine most of the time. But I often meditate holding crystals and things as well. So depending on those size, that size, and she's rubbing her head on them, and I'm going, no, come on, I'm trying to focus. Well, they love it. Well, I have actually. I have a couple of uh, several photos and I actually also have a video of my other cat, Franzi, who, by the way, is famous. He has 16 million views on YouTube. So he's wow. quite a magical creature, <laughs> yeah. but he uh, he loves to meditate with crystals. Well, my Delilah, one time I had some crystals out in the moonlight and in the morning um, she had arranged them into they were just in a line. She had arranged them into a triangle and was sitting in them sitting in the middle of them and then sat down and meditated in them. So oh she made gosh. a little grid. Yeah. And I have pictures of that. And then my Franzi, he, I have video of him like taking a rose quartz and like scooting it to where it was like on his heart and then lying down and meditating for a while. And I was like, and then and there was like an amethyst on his head that he had positioned. I swear, I just left him on the couch and he, and you could see him going like, like kind of trying to put it in position. And then he came out of his meditation and he grabbed the rose quartz and he like kissed it, kissed it like he was thanking it. And then he's like, yep, all good. So that's beautiful. I love that. I've tried putting crystals on my cat, um, but she kind of just gives me side eye. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Better on dogs. Dogs will tolerate that a little more. It's the same look she gives me when I tuck her in with a blanket. Like, mom, I don't need that. (laughs) Now, have you found with all of your work with animals, do animals have a unified message that they want humans to understand? Is there something that all of them have sort of 
hinted at or told you that sort of all weaves together into one message? Well, if I try to distill it down to something, it's uh, the best I could say is maybe just they they see us kind of like walking around like, I don't know, like we're drunk, like we have half of our senses turned off. You know, when you're drunk, you can't see things and everything. They kind of see us like that, but they see us as being able to just like cut it out. And so I think it's maybe just it, it's that it's it's kind of awareness. And because if we're in that awareness, then we are just in tuned with Gaia resonance, which is the container, the resonant container that we live in to be divine. And that's what they are huge advocates of and it's something that they are not separate from. You know, for them, there's no judgment in death or survival. Um, even though, you know, like animals like cats, they actually will play with an animal before they actually kill it. But it's just how they, their biology works. It, that's what they need in order. They need the pursuit in order to get their gastric acids up enough so they could properly have the enzymes to digest it. So it's not even a cruel thing. It's just how nature works for them. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of the process. The animal who, like, there's this one beetle who gave me this wise message and then a blue jay came along and was going to like eat the blue jay and the blue jay was going to eat the the beetle after this he had just given me some kind of like profound universal wisdom this little hissing beetle and i was like trying to save the beetle and the beetle interrupted me and said please do not take from me my reward like being given to get his body given to this blue jay's family was reward for him mm. that was his cycle of life continuing as a part of the ecosystem and so like i said earlier you know the ecosystem is is gaia's way of expressing unity and we're a part of that we are that so i think it is if we could cut it out and get it attuned then we would just be in that flow and we'd be in that awareness and um that's that's just what is right for them that's what's accurate i would say not not right and that sounds like judgment but it's just accurate and that's what they would love to see for us because we are here we are nature as well mm -hmm. I love that and I love that beetle's message it really reminds me of Klingons and that there is honor in the way that you die and yes. it, it feels like don't take that honor from me this is an honorable act that I can do yes absolutely you know it's the moving on it, it, even though our consciousness releases the physical form that physical form is deposited in the forever elemental expression of the planet and so you know my con maybe that's what past lives actually are maybe it isn't the soul energy as much as it is it's the physical energy that is being like an ancestral line being redeposited re into a new life form and we have consciousness memory there i i don't know maybe it's both maybe it's all of it i think if we can imagine it then it's probably even greater than that and it's probably also that <laughs> the paradox you know yeah now, you work with other beings too. You have mentioned a few so far. So elemental spirits, the fae and such like that. How do you tune into that that level, that layer? It's, it's uh, again, for me, it feels like tuning a radio dial. And so it's, uh, you know, just generally tapping and tuning in, uh, meaning like meditating, raising my vibration, however you see that, clearing the slate and then having the intention and having the intention is like, the radio dial going to that frequency 
And that's a, that sounds so simple, but that's the best way I could articulate it. Um, and they all feel different. They have a different resonance or, or density or texture. And um, you, know, you can tell I'm highly clairsentient. It's like my dominant Claire. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, I'm also, I'm, I have a synesthesia, so I can't always tell if I'm, even with my physical senses, if I'm smelling or seeing or or hearing something, you know, it, it all kind of like shows up in the same energy. Anyway, so yeah, and then it just, it just tunes by that intention. The And I think sometimes we do need maybe some I would say education, but that's simply because we have miseducation, you know, being deep in the illusion. And so we just need to remember what it is our soul already knows. So I needed to remember that the fairy realm is real. And then boom, I'm, I'm like, oh, of course. And I, and I literally remember from this life because as a child, we're all very uh, awake and attuned to it and we just forget. So yeah, having the intention to communicate with the archangelic realm or, you know, inter other interdimensionals or ancestors. That's, mm -hmm. that's basically it. It's the same with any other spiritual sensing, the intention to check in with my past life or someone else's past life. And then the imagery shows up. Just mm -hmm. switching back. I know you mentioned it earlier, but you've said the word interdimensional is, huh. is Sasquatch, Bigfoot, uh, Yeti, uh, is, are they an interdimensional being? Is that what you've picked up on? Well, they're, they're physical. They're actually physical, but I would say they're they're transdimensional as well. Mm -hmm. so transdimensional. That's yeah, better word for it. Yes, because they do have a physical three D expression here. Still, they are um, like the original hominid on this planet, and the original humanoid, a part of our uh, like our the seeding of this planet where we hybridized to create this race of human beings. They were a part of that, but they also continued as their natural rate you know what they, they so it didn't like it wipe them out entirely in the way that you know maybe pleiadians were a part of our seating as well but they still exist in their way so but we became very dominant and they're older and i would say spiritually and naturally more advanced than we are so they know how to use the natural portals that exist in the earth that you know interdimensional transdimensional portals they're they're shy into themselves they're you know very they're so they're very they're advanced in all ways and um, they, but you know, they're not perfect, so they can be spotted and sometimes they make themselves known, but you can communicate with them telepathically. And even if you don't live in an area where they are known, you know, like the, the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of Sasquatch and then there's the, then there's Yeti and other places. Uh, you can still, if you have a, like, if you have that excitement about it, you can reach out and just put your call out to see if there is, I like the word Sasquatch probably because I'm American. Um, see if there is a guide who wants to communicate with you. And someone would you know, probably pick that up for you. I love that. So, yeah, they're just highly advanced. They are 3D in a sense, but they're highly advanced. And so they're transdimensional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did hear that uh, a while back again on another podcast, talking a lot about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, all of that. My brother is a massive, massive believer in Bigfoot and goes on searches and everything when he used to live in Canada as well. So I get a lot of information from him too. But when I heard the transdimensional or interdimensional idea, I thought, that's it, that that feels right, that feels true and would explain as well why they sort of pop in and pop out and can be easily uh, sort of whisked away and we can't find any trace. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They And they know how to, I mean, maybe they kind of levitate or they know how to use their physical body in a sense that they're, it's not going to show up on the light spectrum that humans are attuned to paying attention to for our physical survival. And they just know how to work in, in a lot of different frequencies. Yeah. In addition to the same mm -hmm. as we, they overlap with us. Yeah. Now, just to end as well today, 
I wanted to just take a very quick squidgeridge at your birth chart. Now, in a few of my episodes prior, I've gone into the sun, moon and rising sign of some of my guests. And what I wanted to do was just take a look at a different part of the chart that can show people what sort of things you can find through astrology as well and share it with you as well, as well, Treasure. So you have, now this is a, it's sometimes called a part of fortune. I personally, I call it the lucky star. And if you're looking on your birth chart, it will be a circle with a cross through it. Now, this usually shows us where you bring luck into your life and where things will get really expansive once you start uh, doing more of that energy. And for you, this actually falls into your 10th house of career. So by doing what you do for work, this is going to bring more luck and abundance your way. And this falls into Gemini. So Gemini is all about communication. It is all about speaking, teaching, sharing a message. And you do that in so many ways. You do that in your podcast, uh, teaching, uh, using your platform to to share your message and share this message with a wider uh, variety of people. But then you also do this by communicating with other beings and spirits and animals and that sort of thing and sharing messages with animals and people and beings in that manner. So by doing that and you're absolutely living it, that is just going to basically blow open your abundance portal and it's going to bring so much luck into your life and opportunities as well. Have you found that since you've been doing this sort of message sharing work, uh, like actual work for your career, have you found a, a change in how things happen for you and the luck that's in your life? Oh, for sure. And luck is a big, luck is a, a huge theme for my life. I actually, um, uh, one of my past lives was actually as a leprechaun and so you know luck is a theme and you know like I, uh, uh, my human design I'm a reflector and the signature theme for reflectors is surprise which mm-hmm. is just another way to say luck I think you know what I mean? like, so yeah luck is uh, luck is something that it, it feels it feels natural to me it feels right it feels correct and, uh, you know, it's like it's magic, you know, that's why my, my podcast is called Charmed Life, because mm-hmm. it's about magic and the birthright to to have a magical life or just to be life is magical. So, yeah, absolutely. Since I shifted more uh, into what is aligned for me, everything, I, I don't even recognize myself. It's amazing that, you know, my husband and I have been together 17 years and it was we were together nine years before I had this shift and change. So <laughs> it's pretty um pretty cool that I mean even just being through with someone over a couple of seven-year cycles because you know we completely change our whole body and genes and everything switches Um, so I've now that's why I mentioned when you asked me how long it's the seven-year mark Mm -hmm. and so it's like I don't know what's going to happen it's pretty cool it's going to be very lucky and Mm -hmm. I'm in my seven personal years so that's really rad yeah it's um, I love that and my work it's it's everything. I don't know. It's everything. It's it's my mission. It's my purpose. It's how we express purpose here, right? You know, yeah. now at this time when we were maybe in other ages, it was if we were more kitchen witches, that was we people came to us and I don't know, it still kind of was a career. But it's still a role that we play, even if it's not a one that you get paid for, I find. Yeah, we just have to like now in order to do something a lot, you have to get paid for it because that's how the system is set up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> right. Can't. I didn't create it by myself, but I'm a part of it because I co-created it with all of us. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's the thing. If you that's when you know you help people open their abilities, and I, it's like I, I tell people because they're like, wait, 
I don't want to become a professional. I'm like, you don't have to, but I got, I got to tell you, if you keep doing it, you're probably going to want to, <laughs> you're not going to have time to go to work. <laughs> yeah. And it's fantastic if it's not part of something you want to do for a career, because it isn't for everyone, but it's yeah. going to change your life anyway, just to be in tune and aligned with yourself and to be able to use these psychic senses, even if it's just things like making a decision. So I often find that before I knew about any of my intuitive abilities and before I knew how to use divination, any decision that I made was really difficult, especially big ones. It was like, what am I going to do? And now I'm just like, okay, I will pull some cards or I'll do some scrying or tune into myself. Okay, sweet. There it is. And move on with my life. It's just so much more relaxing and easy. Yeah. I, I, when I'm like really in that space, where it's not, you know, I feel like any, I'm, my pendulum is my best friend mm -hmm. and I trust it every time. And even if it surprises me, great, because my signature is surprised. And I'm like, okay, this, I just let go all, all of my questions about it. It's, it gave me the right information. And mm -hmm. sometimes I have to ask more questions or I have to wait to see what the next questions are for it to make sense. But it always does. Yeah, divination is, oh, I love divination. It's so helpful. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I am actually, um, I'm creating a course on psychic divination at the moment when we're filming this, which should be due out in February, 2022. So definitely keep an eye on my social medias for that if anyone is interested, but yeah, divination, I feel is just such a passion of mine. It's what I am drawn to. I love it. It's an obsession, <laughs> a good obsession. I love it. Yeah. That's great. What other kinds of divination do you like? You have, you do do you do you do tarot? I think you said you do tarot. Yes, yeah. I do tarot, oracle cards. I use astrology for divination as well. I use fire scrying. I use uh, I've got a black obsidian mirror, so I do mirror scrying with my black mirror, which is so incredible. It's probably one of the my least used ones, but the most profound, if that makes sense. Tarot feels very easy and convenient and like a daily thing that I can do. And same with things like the pendulum and that sort of thing. But when I pull out that black scrying mirror, I know I'm going to get some really deep messages and it's just, it's a whole session. It's not something I take lightly, if that makes sense. It's much more. Oh, yeah it's deep it's deep and it really just vibes with my Scorpio moon I, I like the darkness of it and doing it in a really dark room with just one little lone candle it's really fun uh, so that's the sort of the sort of ones that I do so you use a pendulum do you use any other forms uh oracle cards I have some tarot um what else oh those are my main ones I use the pendulum so much just you know uh the mirror uh, obsidian mirror sounds great. sounds really powerful. I mean, you know, I also just scry with my own energy. One of my favorite things to do when I'm going to do a monthly ritual is to uh, ask each of my chakras, what do I need to know about? And so I'm scrying with each of the chakras and then, you know, they, they give me the information. I yeah. love that. I love that. Uh, I did also forget to mention tea leaf reading. That was the first one that I did. And one of the ones that's very, very close to my heart. It's so much fun. And who doesn't love tea? Tea is just the best, uh, tea leaf reading. And there was one other that just popped into my brain. Now it's come out again. Uh, bibliomancy. So flipping mm -hmm. open a book too, yeah. mm -hmm. and checking that out. I don't know. So palmistry I've dabbled in, but it's not my thing. It's not something that I do a that, lot of. I haven't like felt that, I don't know. I haven't found a, a resource that feels like it's actually grounded. It seems like, I don't know. So yeah. I think as well, I've had my palm read many times and it's been extremely accurate, but each time. So the first time was in Singapore. The second was in uh, a few times in India as well. 
And it's a totally different system to what anyone in the West teaches or talks about or does. Uh, very, very different system, similar to astrology. You've got Western astrology and then you have um, this Indian astrology as well, which is a little more predictive in nature. It's different, but so amazing. So I I almost feel like I don't want to take from, from that culture and, and then teach it. I don't think that would be right for me, but I do definitely um, use that for myself. So I'll go and get my palm read by, by someone when I'm in India or someone who lives there and practices that form. I think it's amazing and fascinating. It can give us so much information as well that way. Well, maybe that's what I'm, that's my holdback is that I need to, it needs to be Eastern because I've maybe probably only been exposed to things that are Western. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> It's not working for me. <laughs> yeah. And you'll find that with different things. There's different ways to do all sorts of things. Like coffee grounds has not drawn me in at all. It's so similar to tea leaf reading, but it's just not for me. Um, I do also do dream readings as well. So divination through dreams, uh, which is a nyromancy. And I think it's fantastic and fascinating, um, but it's often overlooked as well as a form of divination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's uh, Dreams are so beneficial. I mean, it's a third of our life being in that space it's like eating moving and sleeping or dreaming it's so important and mm-hmm. gosh i had such crazy we we just came through that really intense every planet in the whole universe was in retrograde you know? yes <laughs> but it was especially saturn oh saturn being in retrograde kicked my tail this mm-hmm. last time and i was having all of this i kept having all these dreams that i was going to get i was going to get i was going to go to jail for a crime i didn't commit it was so weird <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's funny because Saturn as well is the planet of limitations. Uh, So if you think about Saturn, it's got rings, it keeps you closed in. So if you're dreaming about being in jail, that's definitely a very Saturnian dream. Think about that. I was thinking of it from the Jungian perspective. I was like, what am I putting myself in jail about? (laughs) I knew it had to do with Saturn. That's brilliant. Thank you for Mm -hmm. that. And sometimes as well, when, when Saturn does go retrograde, it's a planet of responsibilities. So where we need to t- step up and take more responsibility in our life. When it goes retrograde, you can suddenly become really confused about what you need to take responsibility for. And that is also in your dream as well, that, you know, you, you're putting yourself in jail. That's a form of taking responsibility or ownership of something you may have done wrong. So you're basically using that energy of Saturn in retrograde to go, where have I gone wrong? What have I done wrong? What do I need to make amends for? So it's really fascinating to see how that planetary influence has come through in your dreams. Oh my gosh, that's, that is so spot on. And some of it, there, I had two dreams about jobs that I had a long time ago where everybody in all of my coworkers the way they did their job was like nefarious. They they stole and everything. That was the culture. I didn't do that, and which is why I usually had to leave uh, because I was the you know I was the bummer. But I that's what like two of the dreams were that like I was somehow culpable by association, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah. So how could I take responsibility even if it's not me? It's the empath, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's that little bit of um, conscience coming up of, you know, I knew about it. I didn't do anything about it. So it's probably Saturn's bringing that up for you to address and to work through somehow to either forgive yourself for not, you know, acting a different way or however it's going to come through for you. But that's how dreams are just so fascinating. There is so much that you can divine from them and from their meanings. And uh, I do want to note as well, because we are in a Mercury retrograde, a lot of people are going to be dreaming about their ex. And I even, I said to my husband the other day, I walked in and said, oh my gosh, I had a dream about one of my exes. And he was like, you know, oh, dream cheating on me. And I said, no, it's Mercury retrograde. And he got this look in his eye and he went, oh, hang on. I had a dream about my ex as well. 
Thank wow. God. There we go. They're in here. They're still in, they're still in the energy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just me, but yeah. So if anyone's having those dreams, don't divine any meaning into the, the X. No, that's right. Just, okay. That's just Mercury being a trickster. So yeah, it's a purging. It's symbolically releasing the energy that it's associated with them. It's a venting. Yeah, I dreamed about my my mom was in the dream too, and we're not really in touch. And then her husband, who I'm, who was a, an abuser of mine, so we aren't in touch at all. But he was in my dream, and I'm like, get out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they're kind of exes in a sense, you know. Yeah, definitely, yeah. and people from your past and that sort of thing. All right. Well, that's pretty much everything we wanted to go through today. So thank you so much. That's been a fascinating, fascinating chat. I really, really appreciate your time today, Trisha. Can you tell everyone where they can find you if they want to get in touch? Yeah, sure. Well, my website is my name with the word charm. So Trisha Carr Charm, because I couldn't get Trisha Carr only. Uh, and it's T-R-I-C-I-A-C-A-R-R. And then, of course, you can just look up Charmed Life with Trisha Carr. That's my podcast, and it's on YouTube as well. And the Instagram handle is at Trisha Carr Charm. Fantastic. And I'll pop all of those links in the description box for this episode as well. If you haven't yet, please leave us a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much. And I also do a little happy dance whenever I see them as well. So thank you. And if you'd like to book in with me for a tarot reading or an astrology reading, you can do so at suburbanwitchery.com. You'll also find me as Suburban Witchery on Instagram. Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode and I'll chat to you next time. Thanks for listening.